Good morning. We're going to be in Joshua today, Joshua chapter 5 and 6. 5 and 6, if you want to turn there. We're going to talk about walls, which is, that's a good thing, because we've got a wall right behind us, don't we? Um, and we're going to talk about doors uh, today. Um, in fact, the title that I uh, titled this is, Our Walls Are His Doors. Um, and boy, do we encounter walls. Uh, in fact, one of the things that we're doing is it's uh, recovering his mission. And in a lot of ways, we've kind of uh, had this feel of we're building something. And we are. Uh, you know, we're building on his kingdom. But when you're walking through this world, uh, no doubt you can just run, slap up against a wall. It can feel like that I don't know how to get past this wall. Um, and there's just no way through, you know, it's a wall. Um, there's all kinds of things that create walls in our lives. Uh, we can have financial crisis that come into our lives and it can feel like that we just can't get beyond, you know, there's this barrier here. We can have health issues. Um, I had a couple different encounters with people who are having those issues in the last couple weeks, uh, and it can feel like a wall. Uh, relationship, uh, marriage and family, workplace can create some pretty big walls in our lives. Uh, career pressure, uh, unfair treatment, you know, just having an atmosphere where you feel like that you are a target um, and that people just are, you know, are against you can feel like a wall. Uh, emptiness uh, can feel like a wall. Loneliness can feel like a wall. Confusion and friendship problems. Um, a past, you know, a haunting past can feel like that it just doesn't allow me to ever get free, to ever move forward. Um, safety and security, failure can feel like a huge wall at times. Grief can feel like a wall. So many things that come into our lives, right, that just it seems like that there's this barrier here, and I just can't seem to get through. You know, I just feel so, so claustrophobic. I just feel so much pressure uh, because of what's going on in my life. And so we're talking about recovery right now. And, and part of recovering is trying to figure out how to move past, you know, what we are against. Um, and so we've been talking about just recovering the mission because like last year, it just seems like, man, there was this wall <laughs> that has come up and it just stopped us, our momentum, it stopped our progression moving forward and it just seems like that there's something that needs to happen. And, and so part of recovery is not only acknowledging the wall, which is what we've been spending a lot of our time, you know, in this recovery section but also understanding that there is a way through. But it's only because God provides it. And so, again, the name of the, the message is Our Walls, His Doors. Only God can create a door where there is a wall in our lives. Um, and so we are going to talk about that. Let's look at our scripture. We're going to read through it, and then we're going to kind of walk through it uh, after we do. So Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 through 15 uh, and well, 13 through 15, and then go on and down, down through 6, uh, 1 through 5. It says, When Joshua 
was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him, and he said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he says, No. But I am the commander of the Lord, commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the altar. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a loud blast with the, the ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with, great, with a great shout, and the wall of Jericho will fall down flat. And the people shall go up, everyone straight before him. Now we're going to drop down to verse 15. On the seventh day, they rose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout for the Lord, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Now let's drop down to verse 20. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. There's so many things that I really want to talk about, but I want to try to keep it to just this idea of walls and doors, all right? God can put a door where our walls are. And the first thing I want to point out is that your wall, whatever it is, Whatever it was in the past, if you don't have one right now that is before you, I guarantee there's going to be one in the future. But maybe you can reflect upon one in the past just so that you understand. But your wall will only become a door through submission. That's the first thing that I want us to see in this passage. I want you to see that it's not just here in this passage. It is throughout the Word of God. This is how God works. Anytime that we have a barrier, a thing that we can't move through on our own, it's it's beyond our control, we have to understand the first thing that we need to do is submit to the Lord because He's the only one that can create a door. And it can only, you can only have this door through submission. Now, I want you to go back with me now to verse 13 and, and 14. It says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing before him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him, and he said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? 
I mean, Joshua wanted to know, are you, are you on my side or are you on their side? For one, I just think that there's a lot of bravery here with Joshua, right? Because he doesn't know who this guy is. He has a sword in his hand, and he must have looked pretty mighty because what is he in charge of? He's in charge of the Lord's army, right? So he had to look a little intimidating, but Joshua was trying to be brave and courageous, and he says, are you for us or for them? Am I going to have to fight you? And what is it that this commander of the Lord's army say? In, in, in my translation, he just says, no. Now, if you have the NIV, it says what? Neither. That's really, I think, a better translation for understanding what he's saying here. Are you for us or are you for them? And he answers, I'm, on, I'm, I'm not for either. I'm, I'm neither one. No. I'm not on your side. I'm not on their side. What do you do with that? What is it that we're supposed to understand from that? What was Joshua supposed to understand from that? I think he was supposed to understand that uh, there's a third option, right? There's a third option. It's not your side, their side, and that's it. It is your side, their side, his side. And the angel was just saying, I'm not on that side, your side. I'm not on their side. I'm on the Lord's side. And I think that that is something super significant, for us to understand the fact that there is a third option when it comes to walls that come up into our lives. How often do we do this? We think it in just terms of, you know, the two-dimensional, that there's my side, their side, when it comes to custody uh, uh, that people have struggles with, right? There's my side, their side. Uh, when it comes to political world, there's my side, their side, Right? That's how we divide up things around this, you know, in our world when it comes to conflict, when it comes to battles, when it comes to walls. There is my side, their side. But I want you to understand that there is always God's side as well. There's always a third side. And this angel was the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, basically, I'm on God's side. Uh, the other day, my son, he wanted one thing, and his mom wanted another thing. Have you ever seen this play out before? And so there just becomes this, like, this, this battle that is about to, to rage, this conflict that is about to take place, right? And, and it's a, a battle of wills. And so he wanted what he wanted. His mom wanted what she wanted, And all of a sudden, I realized that there was an opportunity for me to introduce a a third side. And so I said to him, I said, so uh, what is it that Jesus would want you to do? Do you know? Do you know what he would want you to do? Yeah, I know what he wanted me to do. I said, well, then do that. All of a sudden, it becomes a decision we have to decide, right? Whose side are we really on? Are we going to stick to our side? And stick to our, you know, our guns on this? Or are we going to move into this other realm of his side? But he didn't want to do. He knew what Jesus wanted him to do, but he didn't want to do that. I don't know about you, but I run across this all the time in my own life, right? 
I mean, there's this, it's not that I don't know what Jesus wants me to do. It's just that, man, I want to do what I want to do. I know what I want. And I want Jesus to be on my side when it comes to that kind of thing. I want him to fight my battles. Man, did we see that last year in the political realm, right? We just saw it as my side, their side, God's for us. That's all I ever heard was like God's going to give us this victory. God's, like God's on my side. And we know that the Bible says that, right? If God is for us, who could be against us? We know that it says that. But so often, I think God shows up in our lives and he's saying the same thing to us when we think he's showing up in our lives to, like, deliver us. He's showing up to our lives to say, whose side are you going to be on? See, there's a whole other dimension about this, like, like, Think something that Joshua was supposed to take out. But he says, so whose side are you on? Are you on my side or their side? And he says, neither. You see, the other thing that we need to understand about this is the angel shows up to find out whose side Joshua is on. You see, God can be against his own people if his own people decide to stick to their side and not join his side. God's only going to be, when it says, if God is for you, who can be against it? It's only people who join God's side. That's what that promise is for, right? He didn't send his son into this world so that he would make, that son would make life about you and take care of your side. He sent the son into this world so that you would join God's side. And then when you join God's side and make life about God's side, he's going to protect his people. And that's really important for us to understand because what happens here in our story? How did Joshua get to where he is in charge of these people and what happened in the past? I just want us to remember that because what we find is that God can turn your wall into a door only through submission. And if you choose not to submit to God's side, the wall will always remain. He will always resist people who choose not to submit. So go back to what happened in the wilderness. What happened back there? You know, what we find is that God decided that he was going to uh, not give them a door out. What happened? Forty years they wandered around. And it's not that gigantic of an area to be wandering around and they could not find their way out. It just seemed like everywhere they went. They went south, they, they find a wall. They went north, they find a wall. And they're just going in these circles and they can't seem to get out. And it's because God never provided a door for them. He never provided a way for them. And it started, you know, because God gave them instruction and they decided to not heed the words. I just want to read a little bit of it. There's so much about it. I mean, we know that that's where they got the Ten Commandments, right? But in Deuteronomy chapter 10, let's just read through a little of this uh, chapter, or verse 12. Deuteronomy 10, verse 12, it says, And now, Israel, what does... The Lord your God require of you, but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I have commanded you today, 
for your good. It was for their good, right? God gave them these instructions. Behold, the Lord your God be, belong heaven and the heavens of the heavens, the earth with all of that is in it. God is uh, over everything. And yet the Lord set his heart in love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all people as you are to this day. Taking you back just a little further, how did they get in the wilderness in the first place? Because God rescued them, right? From Egypt, there was a wall, no way out, and God came and gave them a door. Why? Because God loves these people. He took them to, through the wilderness just to escape the e- Egyptians, right? But, uh, but when God got there, he was taking them to the promised land. Would God not have provided a door right into the promised land? Of course he would have. That was his whole desire, is to rescue these people. I just want to go just a little further. Verse 16, interesting verse. It says, Circumcise therefore the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. For one, you can say, ooh, that's gross, right? Circumcise the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. And we know what circumcision is. And that was the way that God made his covenant with Abraham. We also know that in Colossians chapter 3 that it tells us it connects circumcision of the heart with baptism, right? What is baptism? It is a place that you submit yourself, you give yourself to Jesus Christ and are baptized into him. And this is the same concept that he's talking about here with these these people that were disobedient in the wilderness. He was saying, I I just want you to obey me and love me and submit to me. Circumcise your heart and quit being stubborn. Moses had a pretty tough job, didn't he? People are always just wanting their way. Isn't God for us? I thought he was against the Egyptians. Well, God's not for them and he's not for the Egyptians, he's neither. He's for himself. He's for you joining his side, the third side, and not thinking that God has made this little world evolve around you. It's you make this world evolve around him. It's really important. You know, they sent out a party, right, at the beginning of this whole wandering thing, God was wanting them to, to find the, the, the milk and honey land, the promised land. And they sent out 12 spies, and they spied out the land. You remember this? And the 12 people came back, but they were, they were divisive. Ten of them thought that the people that they saw were so huge that there's no way we can conquer. There's no way we can take over that. But two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, well, we can take this, not because we are strong, but because he is strong. We can't provide this door, but God can provide this door. We just need to trust him. What did the people decide to do? Well, we better not go up against these people. And so God right then decided their unbelief, their stubbornness, their disobedience, he was not going to give them the wall, I mean the door to their wall. And that generation never exited the wilderness. And we know 
that that is not the end of the story because Joshua, he brings out a new generation and we find them now here at Jericho and there's another wall. There's always going to be another wall. There's always going to be another opportunity for you to hear the commander of the Lord's army speak to you. Isn't God for us? He is so much for you. And he is so much wanting you to get into the promised land. But the real question is, is are you for him? Because that's what the angel wants to know, right? Are you on his side? Because he can be against you as quickly as he can be for you. And you have to decide if you're going to be on his side. Your walls will never become doors without submission. As long as you're resisting God and you're choosing to push against God, there will always be this incredible wall that you just can't seem to get beyond. And God will challenge you in that. You know what I decided last year is I don't want to be an ass. And I don't want to be an elephant either. I just want to be on God's side. I don't know why they come up with those animals anyway. But you know what I want to be? If we're going to talk about animals, I want to be a sheep. I just want to be the one who follows the shepherd. That's what I want to be. And if the shepherd tells me to go this way or he tells me to go that way, that's what I'm going to listen to. That's who I'm going to follow. And that's the way I'm going to handle this. You make your mission about his mission by following his plan. And that's what the angel shows up here to do, is to hand Joshua a plan, right? And how is it that Joshua was given this plan? Well, in the end of verse 14 it says, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, What does my Lord say to his servant? Just tell me and I'll do it, Right? And it's the same way with us. We have to have that attitude. God, just tell me how you want me to act. I'll act. Just tell me what kind of attitude you want me to have. I'll have that attitude. And we just come here to this place right here, this, this room right here, to literally do that, to just fall on our face, to worship and sing these songs and say, God, what is it that you want? What kind of spirit do you want me to have this week when I go off into this world and I engage with these people? What is it that you want me to do? Here's the second thing that I want us to see. Your wall, first of all, your wall will will only become a door through submission. And the second thing is, is your wall will only become a door through obedience. They're different, okay? Submission is what Joshua did when he fell flat on his face and he worshipped. When he took his shoes off, his sandals off, because he was on holy ground. That was submission. But he still had to get, decide what he was going to do when he left there. Am I going to be obedient to what the plan that he just gave? You see, when you get to your Jericho, your wall, you, you, you'll know... You know that you're at a wall because it'll feel so intimidating, right? Like this is so, I I can't fix this. 
I can't fix this health issue. I can't fix this relationship issue. I've tried for a really long time. I can't fix this job situation. I can't fix this financial situation. Whatever it would be, it'll just feel so intimidating to you. You'll know. And you will be tempted to, you know, complain and turn back and and then the angel will come through whatever means, maybe just through the word of God, maybe through another person, however, but God will communicate to you, I have a plan for you. And then he's going to give it to you, and guess what? Now, I, just, I, I can almost guarantee this is what's going to happen. It's going to sound ridiculous to you. It's going to sound silly. You see what he, he, the, the, the message that the angel gave he, in verses 1 through 5? Now Jericho was shut up inside and out because of the people of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hands and with its kings and mighty men of valor. And that would sound really good, right? But this is how he's going to do that. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city. Thus you are to do that for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns round the alt, the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And they, they were supposed to shout, and then the walls are just going to come down. And they were just like, yeah, right. I don't know. I mean, how is Joshua supposed to convince the people that this was like a really good idea? What did the duck say when she bought lipstick? Put it on my bill. I hate Russian dolls. They're so full of themselves. What do you call it when a cow spies on another? A stakeout. What's red and shaped like a bucket? A blue bucket painted red. (laughs) <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, but don't you know that that, that right there, that <laughs> kind of chuckle, that silly kind of thing, would have been what they experienced when Joshua came back with the message. This is what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna march around once, Every day for six days. On the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. We're going to blow a trumpet, and then we're just going to scream, and these walls are just going to collapse. And they're just like, (laughs) right. Every time there is a wall in our lives, there will be instructions. And it was going to seem silly to you. These instructions. It's going to seem almost ridiculous to you. It's going to be like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. It's going to seem like you need to come up with a different plan, right? Your, your mind's going to tell you to listen to the ten Spies and not the two. I've already spied out this situation. This problem I got going on right now, this wall that I got going on right now, 10 of the, 
the people in my head are saying, don't do it. And only two are saying, yeah, do that silly thing that God just told you to do. And then it's going to be so hard not to listen to the majority, right, in that situation. Just think about if you just walk through in your mind real quick through the Word of God, think of all of the times that God just asks his people to do some of the most ridiculous things in, in life, right? Abraham with his son. I'm going to give you a son, and through that son, there's going to be offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. He gets this son when he's like 100 years old, and then he says, I want you to sacrifice that son. Is that going to even make sense to your thinking? Is that going to be the most ridiculous thing that you would have ever heard? Abraham did it. Was willing to do it. Because of obedience. Amazing obedience. How do you think Gideon felt? You know, the least in his clan. The the most intimidated person around and God says, I'm going to take you, and I'm going to do something incredible. You're going to, you're going to destroy this army that you're, that's going up against your people. And God gives him an army, but then he just keeps whittling it down. I want you to get rid of, you know, thousands of them. And he gets them all the way down to three. Would that make sense to you that God's plan is okay? Like, that's a good plan, God. Now it's just a few of us going against all of these people. And it's the same way with Daniel. And people who find doors to their walls are people who are willing to do the craziest things that God asks them to do. It's just, just the way that it works. He's going to ask you, if you have a wall in your life, he's going to ask you to do something totally crazy. I remember a wall that I came across, and I tell you this all the time because it was the most craziest thing I've ever experienced when God says, go to Ozark Christian College. Well, that doesn't even make sense to me. I have zero ability to do what they do over there. And you want me to go into ministry? That doesn't make any sense to me. I'm the only reason I'm standing here is because I was willing to do the craziest thing that I could ever think of that I'd be doing. I was crazy enough to do it. But I've had all kinds of things like that in my life that every time I counter a wall, it just seems like God wants me to do something crazy again. I mean, for some of you, God wants you to do the craziest thing that you can think of, and you know what it is? He really expects you to forgive them. And you're thinking, you got to be kidding me. You want me to do what? That doesn't even make sense. You, do you even know what they did to me? And you want me to do that? You want me to say I'm sorry? I just wasn't the one who started this fight. You ever been through that with God? I mean, it's just all kinds of things. You want me to teach who? You want me to go where exactly? And you will encounter these walls, but in order for there to be a door there, God is going to provide a door, but he is going to give you instructions on how that door is going to be opened. And it's going to, be, it's going to sound crazy. And it's going to require you to decide if you're going to be obedient. Right? Am I going to be obedient to this? 
Am I going to do this crazy thing that he's asking me to do? You know, I think of the rich young ruler. Because not everybody, we already talked about the people who were left in the desert without a door, right? God has this ability. He brought some through the door and left some there. Because that's the way God can work. He can decide who gets the door and who doesn't. The rich young ruler is another example of that because he was in search for a door. He had this wall. And he comes and he says, I don't know what I'm lacking here, but I just can't seem to get through. How do you have eternal life? And Jesus told him, right, the angel of the Lord through the person of Jesus, actually he's not an angel, he's greater than the angels, the Bible tells us, so that was silly for me to even think that, but, but God himself directly said to this rich young man who was trying to figure out how to get a, a door, he says, go sell all your possessions and give to the poor. Now you know he was thinking, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. How would that give me eternal life? That doesn't even make sense. And he went away sad, it says, the scripture said, right? But he had to go away sad also thinking that he was making the wisest decision and doing the the smartest thing. He was listening to the ten instead of the two, right? God will always ask you to do something crazy because he expects crazy obedience. He expects it. Radical obedience. Okay, God, I don't know how this is even going to work, but okay, I will do it. Joshua does it, and we already know the end of the story, right? Here's the third thing. Your wall. Your wall will only become a door through submission, right? Which leads to obedience, which leads to faith. Your wall will only become a door through trust, through belief, through faith. That's where Joshua was. He believed it. He was going to do it. He was going to obey it. And it all came about because he, he trusted God. He believed in God. And so in verse 15 it says, On the seventh day they rose early at dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. And at the seventh day... When the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And in verse 20 it says, So the people shouted and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Boy, I wonder, like, when did Joshua know, knew this was going to actually be accomplished? When it was actually falling, right? That's when he was convinced it was going to work and always up to that. He just really doubted, you know, the whole time. Did he know as soon as the angel left him and he was on his way back to let people know what this crazy thing that we're going to do, but it's going to work? When is it that his faith was just really there? His belief. I don't know. What about the other people? 
Are they marching around? And on day three, they're just like, this is the stupidest thing. Uh, uh, in our Sunday school class, Diane pointed out that they weren't allowed to talk when they were marching. And that's interesting because you know they wanted to, right? You know that they wanted, the, the, the non-believers wanted to just say, this is the stupidest thing we're doing. We're doing this again today. We've done this for six days. And the people who were believing, you know that they want to talk too, though, right? They're like, man, this is getting exciting. This is day five. I wonder what's going to happen in a couple days. And you just wonder when people's belief. The cool thing, though, is, is that it didn't matter if your belief came and when the walls actually came tumbling down, that's when you actually go like, okay, I believe now, that's cool. Or if it was all along the journey. But I do know that the faith was something that was prior to entering the city, right? It was prior to the door being opened. And it's the same way with us. Maybe sometimes we struggle with our faith and we're just not sure but the whole thing is, is do, we have to have at least enough faith to get us around the wall. Even if we complain a little bit around it, we've still got to get around the wall. We've still got to do what we're told to do. And so in some ways, I hope that encourages you. But I do want you to know that there is this, there's just some crazy, ridiculous things that we find in Scripture. You know, like Balaam's donkey... I mean, a, a donkey, I mean, we know that Ed the donkey on the TV show talks, but we also know that that's not true, right? But in the Bible, it paints it as if it's true. And you know what I think? I think it's true that God can do it. Walking over on dry lands when they came out of Egypt, that's crazy. Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Jesus, oh my goodness, did he do crazy things. Throwing pigs, I mean demons into pigs. Jesus just causing a fig tree to just wilt. Jesus walking on water. When did the disciples decide that, you know what? I think I'm going to believe. I think most of them struggled. I mean, like faith was coming and it was gaining some ground, but I think most of them, when it really, like faith was solid, was at the resurrection. But yet they got to see raising Lazarus from the the dead, feeding of the 5,000, the 4,000, and on and on and on. Do you remember that passage a few weeks ago we talked about Lazarus? And they were all so upset. And it, and it was super important for Jesus to, to wait. I mean, he intentionally waited, didn't, didn't even go, you know, there until he knew that Lazarus was good and dead. And then when he gets there, the ladies were upset. Martha comes out and she's like, why, why weren't you here, Jesus? If you were here, you could have kept him from dying. But now it's like, basically she's saying now it's too late, right? 
This wall is a wall now, and it's a wall without a door. And Jesus was like, I'm glad that I waited so that I could show you that God can put a door where there's a wall. But Jesus says in that, he says to her, he says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asks this question, he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And of course she says, yes, Lord. And I just... Here's the, here's the question. So, so you have this wall. And I'm telling you that God can put a door where there's a wall. And I know that when you have a wall, it's, it's so hard to believe that God can actually put a door there. So hard to believe. Because you have ten people telling you, that is not going to happen. And he tells you this ridiculous thing to do, but it's not going to happen. And even though you do the ridiculous thing, you're thinking, man, why isn't there a door? Well, it's because you're on day four around the wall, maybe. Maybe you're on day six around the wall. And day seven just hasn't come yet. And you just have to have enough faith to just at least get around the wall, right? But Jesus is saying there's going to be a door. And let me tell you, it might be, it may be when you exit this world that you would be like, yeah, yeah, it came tumbling down. There is a door. Do you believe? Do you believe enough to submit? Do you believe enough to do the ridiculous? Do you believe enough at least to get yourself continuing to come around the wall another day. Let me tell you something. Only God can provide the doors. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that as we begin this journey, this year-long journey to recover your mission, We are encouraged today to know that uh, you are the one who does the significant stuff. You're the one who provides the doors when we encounter a wall. You're the one who does the incredible, the unbelievable, even though you ask us to do the ridiculous. It's not that it's hard, it's just that it requires submission and obedience and faith. Help us, Father, to find enough within us to just continue to do the ridiculous and continue to hold out faith for the open door that is coming.